Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Global Heterosexual and Homosexual Conference. It's such an honor to have each and every one of you here today. Thank you to our speakers and our sponsors, and thank you again for everyone attending. At this time, I welcome our Master of Ceremonies, Dr. Natsiki Nakoko. She's an inspirational speaker and author. Welcome, Dr. Natsiki. Thank you so much, Gigi. I am so honored and humbled to be the MC of this wonderful occasion. So by the powers vested upon me as a master of ceremonies for this event today, I'd like to introduce to you the speakers and the guests and the panelists and everyone who is watching live. Our host is Regeline Sabat, a motivational keynote speaker, five times best-selling author, life coach, first-generation Haitian-American, the host of Walk With Me podcast on JR2 TV, financial expert and a CEO and the founder of Life Service Center of America, LLC. Her book is endorsed by Les Brown. Welcome, my wonderful host, Gigi. Thank you, Dr. Nasiki. such an honor. Thank you. Now I'd like to introduce our keynote speaker. Our keynote speaker is the one and only Paul Kahn. He's a high performance and executive leadership coach. Paul, may I give you the platform? Take it away. Thank you so much, Dr. Naziki. Thank you, first of all, Gigi, for giving me this incredible honor for speaking at this um, amazing event. I just really want to honor you. Um, I've had the opportunity and the honor to being on some of your, your uh, panels. And I just think it's so powerful what you're looking to create, which is the intersection of um, different uh, identities, different thoughts of um, different ways of being, just bring them all together um, to really create unity. And that's really what um, you know, I'm really, really looking forward to today as, as the keynote speaker. So my name is Paul. I just want to share a little bit about my story for me that in my journey of, of what has brought me to what I'm creating, what I'm, what I'm creating in the world today. And 13 years ago, I came out as a transgender man. And after I came out, you'd think that my story ends there. But if anything, I just stepped out of that closet and went right into a different one. Because right after that, I was terrified of people finding out about who I was, about my past, about my identity. And if anything, after I came out of the closet, I went right back into it. Because my entire life up until that point, I grew up in a Catholic conservative household. I knew my entire life that the version of me and the version of what my family, my community, what other people wanted me to be was different. And I was told no matter where I went that I was different, that I was too much, that I was not quote unquote normal. And I stood out everywhere that I went and I just didn't have the answer to why I was so different. And so when I had transitioned, the thing that I wanted the most was to fit in. The thing I wanted the most to do was to just be myself without having any other labels attached to me. Up until that point, when I was in my teenage years, I was constantly bullied for who I was. And I even thought up until one point that there wasn't really a purpose for my life. And I didn't really know if I would even live past 18, especially at that point when I was bullied constantly in school. Um, and at what point I even was contemplating suicide. And so when I got to that point, I thought I had this new lease on life that I can finally just be myself without other people viewing me in their lens of being different, of being not good enough, of being someone who was quote unquote wrong. And so I spent the rest of you know, my, my adult years 
thinking that, you know what, if I had more in my life, if I worked my way up the corporate ladder, if I just was being more, that would finally be enough. And I found myself, if anything, constantly self-sabotaging myself at any opportunity to be seen and heard. And what I didn't realize was I was secretly suffocating myself inside of this invisible prison. And it wasn't until I found myself in a place where I had a six-figure job. I was living in a penthouse. I, on the outside, was traveling all over the world and it looked like everything was amazing. But on the inside, I was completely empty. On the inside, I felt completely trapped. And on the inside, um, I was slowly falling apart. And so was everything else around me. If anything, my, my marriage was on the verge of separation. And I had been, I had anxiety that I would just take over me every single day. And I was constantly trying to put up a different front of who I wanted people to see me as, but secretly I was slowly, slowly um, shrinking inside from not being able to express my authentic self. And I knew at that point when I came home one day and my wife said, you know, I feel like I either have to leave or I feel like I'm going to die here that I realized that something drastically had to change in my life or else I was going to end up losing everything and, and everyone in my life. And that's when I finally went in and I started doing the deep, deep inner work on myself. And I realized that the very core of it was that I just didn't love myself. All these years, I just didn't accept myself, even though on the outside, I was now physically free to be who I always authentically was. And that was the very first time that I realized I put up so many walls in my life that I'd stopped receiving love from others and I'd stopped being able, being able to give love myself. And that was the very first time at that point that I gave myself permission to be authentically me and to accept myself for the very first time. And when I realized I did that, I opened up a door where when I stepped into being my authentic self, I also empowered and inspired other people and gave also them a, a light to realize that they can also step into their power and really own their voice and, and who they authentically are. And what I realized in my journey is that while each of us on the outside may seem to be different in the ways that we identify ourselves, you know, in the way that we are. And there seems to be so, such a collision in terms of different opinions, but really on the inside, each of us struggle with different challenges with being inside our own closet of inauthenticity, different things that we want to hide from the world, different things that we're ashamed of, different things that, you know, we're afraid that if it's in, uh, shown in the light that we wouldn't be good enough, that we wouldn't be worthy. And what I want to say with that is that each of us, if we stop looking at the things that make us different and realize that we are very much the same, then we start looking not at what is on the outside or the labels that are attached to any one person, but we start seeing the humanity that is inside when we start activating empathy for the human experience of how that person is feeling and being and how, you know, at the end of the day, all of us bleed the same, all of us feel the same, all of us struggle with very much of the same challenges. It just looks different then it really brings about a compassion that even though we might have differences of opinion, maybe if we may not agree on everything, what we can always do is love and, and respect each other as a human being. And I want to really share this really powerful number that I discovered that has really you know, been an anchor of what I do today. And, and as I speak in different areas of, of the power of authenticity, and that is the number of 10 times 2.64 million. And the reason why that number is so powerful, because that is the probability of you being created in the world. And let me literally break that down. I was so blown away by the probability of you being here today, you being on this earth, because the probability of two people coming together and just meeting each other, you know, from ages, call it 16 all the way to 40 is one in 20,000. And for them to come together or fall in love or be together and have a child is one in 40 million. 
and for a very specific sperm and a very specific egg to come together to come to create you, that is one in 400 quadrillion. And for that moment to happen required 3 million years before you of time on earth, a lineage of 150 generations that weren't broken to lead up to creating you. And all of that equals 10 times 2.64 million zeros. And that is the probability of you, meaning that you in itself are a miracle. You are a miracle. That is a miracle. You being on this earth, your gifts, your talents, there is only one of you that is unique. And the power of that is not only that each of us are so incredibly unique and have our own superpowers to bring um, to this world, but the powerful thing is that although there is so much that makes, seems to make us different, 99% of our DNA is actually the same. And the only 1% is what differentiates me from you. And what I'm trying to say with that is that even though there seems to be so much that really makes us, seems to make us different, we, there is so much more that actually allow, like is, is at the core of it, makes us really the same. And so at the end of the day, what I wanna share is that each of us have our own superpowers to bring to the world, but at the same time, when we also look underneath, each of us are so similar and have so much in common because we all truly are one humanity. And when we stop looking at labels, when we stop looking at the differences of opinion and start looking at the humanity that's underneath, that's really when we can come together and be one. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you Paul. Wow. Thank you for such a wonderful journey adventure <laughs> and, and a thoughtful, you know, presentation. Thank you for that. And I'm going to introduce our next speaker now. Our next speaker is one and only Sparkle Lindsay. She is an influential speaker and addictions coach. She's based in Colorado Springs. May I give the platform to you, Lindsay, to take over the mic. Thank you guys so much. That was wonderful, Paul. Um, it made, gave me chills. Uh, you know, probably about three months ago, uh, I recall doing a big, big segment on stigmas and labels. And one of the biggest parts uh, to the motivational quotes that I do daily, um, I came up with was, be careful what you say to yourself, you are listening. And I came up with this quote because, you know, I just started thinking about the way I was talking to myself and the things I was saying a long time ago when I started my journey of becoming a better version of me. And when I didn't know what all of that, trans what it was at the time, and three years now being sober, three years from alcohol and addiction, finding out who I am from the inside out as far as knowing that I'm bisexual, I have vitiligo, I'm African-American woman. I am a strong woman who steps in my power daily and being able to talk to myself and say those words, sparkle, be careful what you say to yourself, you're listening. And knowing that it reminds me of what Paul just said, being able to be authentic in our skin, in our skin we win. And also being able to speak our truth, step into our power and say exactly what we feel when we feel it and be strong behind it. But I feel that we can only do this together and that's by everybody knowing that they have their own peace in life to be as authentic as they want to be or as authentic as you choose to be. Not what others tell you to be. 
And for me, during my, my journey, I had a lot of people, you know, before I decided to go on this journey of transformation, I had a lot of people telling me what I should be or who I am or what I should do. And I had to change that verbiage and I had to change the, my way of thinking into saying, this is who I want to be. This is who I am. This is who I stand for, you know? And all of a sudden I started noticing there was a lot of people following, you know? They were following the fact that the only thing I had that was as innocent and as authentic to me was my truth. And when we speak our truth from the bottom of our hearts and from the inside out, speaking through compassion and understanding and having that for all, for all people, all creatures, all creeds, it is so powerful. And it shows that each and every one of us are special in our own way, in our own skin. And so from there, I knew I was compelled to speak and I did not know what I wanted to speak on. And then I decided to get sober. And then it transpired into so many different things. And I knew that I could only control what I could control. And that was my, the color of my skin constantly changing, you know? And then I had to be okay with that as well. And then I had to get a little bit of work on myself to realize that no matter what, I have to live with me. I have to be okay with the things that I do. I am the one that has total control over me and what I stand for. And whether that involves anybody else is neither here nor there. The difference is, is if I focus on the things that I can change and have the courage to change the things with me, everything else around me will evolve as it may. And so I constantly, constantly, and I encourage each and every one of you guys, talk to yourselves, tell yourself who you are, smile at yourself, figure out what makes you tick. The only thing that's going to help you know or go where you need to go is you. And as soon as you take that from the bottom of your heart, you believe in yourself, you tell yourself who you are, you throw that out there and you manifest it to the best of your ability, it is inevitable. It will happen. Thank you guys for letting me share. <laughs> Thank you, Sparkle. Thank you, Sparkle, for your moment to share your story with us. I'm going to go on to the next speaker now. Our next speaker is none other than Angel Marie Monacelli. She is your inspirational speaker, motivational and keynote speaker, specializing in mindset, energy, confidence, and joy. Angel Marie is an award-winning national best-selling author of Shine On, also a highly sought after inspirational and motivational speaker. The creator of the Shine On Movement TM and Elite Reiki Healing System. As an empowerment coach and Reiki master, she has empowered others for over 20 years, increasing their energy, confidence and joy. Angela, would you share your story with us? Thank you, take the mic. Thank you so much. And I echo what everyone is saying. It's just so heartfelt. Thank you. And a shout out to Gigi for helping me with some insights last week, personally, and then also for trusting me with your community. And, you know, this platform has given us a new narrative, and this is what we're starting. And that 
I believe is a wonderful time right now to be alive with humanity, to watch what is happening with humanity and how I look at it is it's an adventure in life to see how it's going to all pan out. Because why? Because you matter. You matter. You matter. You totally matter. And this change will help us to have you step into that. So let's do this right now. Let's raise the energy right now. And let's do the shine on shake because some of this, let's just do the shine on shake. I love that you're doing the shine on shake with me and moving it around. There you go. You're moving it around. And let's just, let's just bring up this energy just by a little bit so we can go in on a high note. I wrote the song just for you. So the words are there for you. So here we go. Fire and soul, look within your heart, let your spirit flow, ask for what you want, show them what you got, take it to the top, don't you ever stop, shine, everybody, let me see ya, there you go, there you go, raise your vibration, shine, shine, shine on. California day, four decades ago. I'm face down in the blacktop. My head is pounding. I'm seeing double vision. My body feels so heavy. And I feel frozen. I can't move. And I can hear this yelling. And this yelling and how I'm connecting to these words is ringing true to me because it was the social norm at that time. It was the narrative at that time, and I believed it. I believed it 100%. And I'm hearing, you're a social deviant. Stay down, you dyke. Stay down, you dyke. And I can feel this, and I, my whole body is trembling, and I'm not being able to get up. And I'm hearing this, you don't matter. And then it happened. It was a miracle. This figure comes in and says, hey, and it gave me that moment. In that moment, I heard, get up, baby, and run. Get up, baby, and run. And it's my mama. Get up, baby, and run. And I started running. And I started running. And I'm running. And I'm running. And I just kept running and running. And then all of a sudden, that narrative, that negative energy from those words started to drift away. I'm still running. And then I start to hear, you matter, you matter. And that started to be the real truth. You're safe, you're safe. And then all of a sudden it was, I didn't have to run anymore. <sighs> we do the shine on shake. Can we just do the shine on shake and let's remove some of that energy right now because I don't want it on you viewers. I don't want it on me because 
when Gigi asked me to tell this story, I have never told this story ever. This is the first time I've ever said and told this story. So thank you for allowing me to share. But why have I never, ever shared it? Because of shame. Because of shame energy around me. And that's the same as fear energy. It's the same as gratitude energy. It's energy is everything. And when I really looked at the shame, I want to show you this chart because I think it's very important. Do you see that part? Do you see right here where shame is? Can you see that? Please, Gigi, give me a so I can tell that I'm showing. We could see the chart. It says 20 at the bottom. Good. And up above this is love, gratitude, 528, love. And I show this because when you're in a lower vibration, what happens? And things are going to happen in your life that you will move down to. And you may feel that shame. But I'm here to tell you that it doesn't stay with you. And you won't stay there for very long. And this is the why you see me with energy. You see me with appreciation because it's able to shift it. And I choose to be at a higher vibration. And I have many stories, many stories just like that of what happened to me four decades ago. But like I said, the future is you and you're changing it with this new narrative. So I'd like to, with a few more minutes that I have, is to help you to be able to step into that higher vibration and how we're going to do this, taking the breath. Everybody, please. And if I could see you, Gigi, or some people, I don't know if I'm just on full screen, because I'd like to see everyone and have them put their hands right here on their diaphragm and to take a breath in with in through your nose, close your mouth and breathe in and the diaphragm comes out and then breathe out and the diaphragm comes in again. And I explain why, and I want you to keep doing that. If you can see them, keep doing this beautiful breath, because why it will keep you out of fight or fight every single time. It will keep you out of that. And this is important because the, because the National Institute of Medical, Medical Health even proved that it, it decreases your stress and your anxiety. So when you're in that stressful situation, start to do the diaphragmic breaths. Keep it going because it will help you to stay out of flight or flight and it'll help you to react also. And this is the important part because when you do this, you can feel better. And that's what I want from you is to feel better as you're doing this because it gives you that clarity and focus. No matter what has happened in my life or what has happened to me, it is in the past. And that's the song, Leave It All Behind. Showing up, even with the stories and being able to step into your energy. And I want to leave you with this beautiful quote. And it's one of my favorite quotes. And yes, I'm going to take it out of my own book right now because it's one of my favorite quotes. And it is, and you can see how the energy just shifted and I went all blurry because that's what happens. So secret number 23, and what does it say? Happiness. Happiness is feeling like you're on vacation all the time. Happiness. Create that vibrational energy in your 
mind that puts you in a place of happiness, joy, enthusiasm, appreciation, high on that energy chart. And you can do this. So I thank you so much. And so raise your energy in 30 seconds or less and step into that, knowing that you matter. I'm Angel Marie Monticelli. And change your mindset, energize your life, and continue to keep shining on. Thank you, Gigi. Thank you, Angel. Now, Angel, in that moment where you were beaten for your sexuality and you were on the ground and you heard your mother's voice, what made you get up and run? What made you listen to the voice? Talk to us. Because the voice, my mama's voice was so soothing. I never heard a voice in my head either. I've never heard that before. And it gave me that inspiration because she was always on my side saying, you're special, you're special. Mama didn't like that I was gay. Mama, very Catholic, she didn't like that I was gay. It scared her. And ever since I was a little kid growing up with dyslexia and then calling me names for that one, stupid, all that, mama would say, when you're in anywhere, get up and run, baby, get up and run, baby. That nurtured me with such beautiful emotion to get up and to move. Thank you, Angel. Thank you so much, Angel. Next on our panel, the next speaker is Karen Prescott, the award-winning community leader, visionary, author, speaker, and a leadership coach, born and raised in Trinidad and Tobago. Karen Prescott, also known as the Bauti Girl, believes in our ability to harness the power of our minds, to create a life of truth and authentic expression. The founder and CEO of Bauti Kids, Courage and Confidence for Kids with Chronic Pain, a social impact organization and founder and chief statement maker of the fashion brand, The Bauti Girl. Be courageous, be confident, be you. Currently serve as co-vice chair of the NSU MPA, nonprofit advisory board, and chair of the homelessness committee on the Broward Sheriff's Office Social Justice Task Force. Give it away, Karen, take the mic. The stage is yours. Hi, and thank you so much, Gigi, for having me here. Paul, Sparkle, and Angel, wow. Feel like we're all on the same path, which is beautiful. It's really beautiful. We all get to be, um, just be. I grew up in Trinidad and Tobago um, in most Caribbean islands. The US has it too, but still a little um, behind. Um, in catching up with some of the other um, countries um, as far as the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I knew I liked women since probably about age 13. Um, of course, I had to keep that to myself. It, it felt uncomfortable. My mom noticed it and she noticed a lot of time I was spending time with a lot of um, females, especially a particular one. And um, she never asked me straight forward, but she went to my aunt and she asked my aunt about it. And my aunt came to ask me. Now I'm the person that if you ask me, I'll tell you the truth. I'm not going to, uh, depends on the situation, I'm not going to, um, back in the day, 
um, volunteer information. So my mom, I told, I told my aunt the truth, um, which caused me to get, I went home and um, she put me out of the house. I, um, my mom was very violent growing up. A um, lot of, you probably see marks on my skin from a lot of really bad beatings. Um, all five of us had that. I was particularly found that um, growing up that why she didn't like me and I'm the eldest of five, I had no idea. But, you know, coming to learn that my mom still have a problem with my sexuality. Um, she is learning to, um, I can't accept it, but being okay with it. Um, she was actually the first person when, um, <laughs> the first person to call me when it was legal to get married. And I was so surprised. I didn't even know it, it, it was illegal. And she was the first person to tell me. So I have to say she's come a long way. She showed up to my wedding three years ago. So she's come a long way, but she's still uncomfortable with it, but she's trying, which is much different than where she was when I was younger. Um, back then she, she decided to come forward and accept it because she said, my brothers are okay with it. So why is she still struggling with it? And she still is struggling with it. I had a conversation with her, I think about um, a year ago, as to why does she struggle with me um, being gay, being a lesbian. And she had a really close friend of hers home um, that he was, he, was, he was gay. And it was clear that he was gay because he had female feminine tendencies. Um, and we loved him to death and she loved him to pieces. My nephew is gay and she has no problem with it. She still has a challenge with me and it's because I'm her child, right? So I've learned, I've got to be, believe now a lot of the extra beatings I got for, I felt like no reasons at times is because she was carrying that on, on her own. I will tell you that when I got put out, I never turned back. I went to friends to support me and friends supported me more than my mom did in this case. I moved to the US later on and I started really embodying myself I started wanting to feel good about myself on the inside, no matter what it is I do. And that's how my North Star is myself and here with anything that I do in life. And I have a nonprofit that's Courage and Conference of Kids with Chronic Pain because it's been my journey. My journey has been severe physical chronic pain that became, which I believe emotional pain becomes into the body, the physical pain. And then what happened after it became mental for me, it became suicidal, it became, um, depression, it became anxiety. And then I was stuck with myself and I had to go inside deeply, deep inside myself to heal, to heal, to help heal some of that. Um, after I started doing the work and I see a lot of people here doing the work and this is like so exciting. Um, and I teach all the time, we just all get to be. And so I operate from that space where I get to be. And because I'm being, I find now that people are in, around me, no matter who they are or what experience or how they feel about it, have the utmost respect because it's all coming from here. Because I am comfortable and comfortable with who I am and because I'm operating from the space of here and how I feel, no matter what it is, being kind, no matter what is it, if I have to choose something right as opposed to left, you know, as humans, we have choices all day long. And sometimes we make choices that really don't align with ourselves, but we make it anyway. And then we feel guilty and we feel shame. Well, I don't operate from that space anymore. If it doesn't feel good, I don't do it. And that is my guiding light and my North Star is inside here. And because of that, I encourage everybody to be. It's not easy, right? 
And you think about a plant and a seed, we talk about the butterfly effect all the time, the butterfly and butterfly coming out of the cocoon uh, and the chrysler. Um, and I love this analogy because the chrysler, nobody really thinks about that, where the butterfly is forcing itself and it's very painful to come out. If somebody clipped that chrysler and have that chrysler, have the butterfly come out, the butterfly wouldn't be able to fly. So sometimes we have to go through these things, unfortunately, to become truly who you're meant to be in this world. And I truly believe that now. And so I see challenges differently. I see obstacles differently. They're different. It's just like, okay, that's not where you're supposed to go. So now take another, that's a detour, go somewhere else. So I just, I will encourage people to just spend time with yourself. The answers are all within. Just as a seed for a plant, it has everything it needs to grow. We do also. And your guiding light is yourself. Um, when we learn to quiet that voice and Angela, you brought up breathing. Oh my God, I love that. I do a lot of breath work. <laughs> and through breath work, you find that center really quick. The answers are right in. And once we get to learn to trust that, it's a game changer. It is a, absolutely a game changer. No matter where you are in this world or what you have experienced in the past. The past is the past. And now being in the present is a new opportunity every single time. A second ago is gone. Trust yourself. You get to be fully expressed. Thank you. Now, Karen, you mentioned obtaining scars on your forehead from being beaten for your sexuality. Now, where you are, are where you are currently on your healing journey. What do those scars mean to you? Absolutely nothing. They mean absolutely nothing. It's a scar. It's neutral. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen, for sharing your story. The next speaker is Dylan Christopher. Axiom CrossFit athlete, country line dancer, future school counselor, domestic violence survivor, and advocate. Dylan, the stage is yours. Take over the mic. All right. Hi, guys. It's very, uh, thank you very much for uh, having me here, Gigi. It's uh, definitely very nice to be here. So, um, yeah, I hold, I definitely can relate to uh, a lot of the past speakers of what you guys have, you know, shared and gone through, you know, going through trying to find your identity as um, anyone that's in part of the LGBTQ community is, is a process. Um, it definitely takes a long time. Um, as you guys have seen, I do hold very many different hats. Um, I also have a wonderful, wonderful relationship um, with my boyfriend that I didn't think. Um, now I know what love, what love is. If you had spoken to me about, let's say in 2015, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known what that was. Um, I will, I want to start off by saying that I am very proud to say that I am, uh, I call it being clean from my abuser. I am about seven, yeah, seven, going on seven years clean from my, from my abuser. Um, but it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work trying to get, get out of that. Um, you know, and so that's something that is, that I had to go through that was very, 
how do I say this? That was very, um, it was very tough. It was very tough to go through and people and society doesn't really take, you know, um, those, that type of nature seriously, especially when it comes to people that are in the LGBTQ community. Um, but we go through it, we go through it. And I thought to me, the, where the change was, was I had to make the change. I had to, it was one of those situations where I was like, I have to get out. I have to get out. Um, or else I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make it. Um, and here I am. I, about six years, if I didn't get out of that relationship six years later, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't have been able to graduate college. I wouldn't have been able to become a, a school counselor. Um, I wouldn't know what love is. And now that I am seven, seven years later, I finally am with someone who, who shows that to me, who, um, who I can be, we can be our, our authentic selves in front of friends, in front of family, where before I can, we couldn't do that. So just know, just know my, my thing is, is just know, just know the, the signs, just know the, know what love is and what love isn't. Love is not abuse. Um, and so that's, it took a while. It took a while to form your identity. When you, I hear the most common theme here is love yourself. You have to love yourself before you offer love to someone else. So that's all I could, I could really, can really say here. I, I'm trying to make it short and sweet because I do have to be, <laughs> I have to leave at three. So <laughs> again, it's very nice to, to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. Our next speaker is David James DePado, an author, coach, speaker, foodie, and writer with a unique approach to a journey of healing, forgiveness, and finding self-love and self-worth by practicing radical acceptance, has been embraced by clients and readers around the globe. The speaker engages with fellow light warriors on Instagram and Facebook and is a featured writer at Best Self David, resides with family in Montreal in Canada. David, the stage is yours. Take it away. Thank you so much. And, and thank you, Gigi, for having me here on this panel with all these wonderful speakers. Um, so my name is David James DiPardo, and I am a speaker and author. I am the author of the award-winning book, Awakening the Light Warrior Within. Um, and that book is really my story of going through divorce, going through infidelity, going through um, really one of the darkest periods of my life and how I emerged from it and how I healed from that journey um, and learned to love myself and reclaim who I was. But this, my story actually starts much, much earlier. Um, and I'll, I'll go a little bit back and, and talk about um, really when I came out and, and who I was as a child and what that experience was like for me. I was always one of those children who was different. I was into musical theater. I was into the arts. I was into cooking and baking. And I didn't want to go out and play sports and, and play soccer and, 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 you know, do outdoor things with, with the other kids that, you know, things that typical boys would really want to go outside and do. So I always knew I was different. But at the age of 15, 
um, I realized that I was attracted to men. I realized that I was attracted to men the way I had been taught that I should be attracted to women. And that thought terrified me beyond, beyond words because I had already lived so much of my childhood being bullied um, and being abused for being different that the thought of now having something else to add to that, having another reason to differentiate myself, um, having another target placed on my back was terrifying. And it was one of those things where once the truth had became uh, known to me, without having to speak to anyone, people magically knew. Um, the intuition of other kids, everybody seemed to pick it up. Everybody seemed to know I was gay without me ever having to come out of the, out of the closet. Um, and it just, it created this new cycle of torment and this new cycle of abuse and bullying. And things just got um, incredibly worse. I would be sitting in class and I would have things thrown at the back of my head. I would be walking down the corridors in school and be shoved into lockers and be pushed around and be physically abused and verbally abused and threatened. And school became a nightmare for me. It became a very unsafe place. And so towards the end of my, my high school journey, I decided to stop going. Um, my parents would get up and leave for work in the mornings and I would stay home. I would pack my bag and I would pretend that I was going off to school, but my bag would stay right by the, the front door and I would go down to the basement and I would watch TV and I would read books and I would stay home alone for the entire day. Um, and this went on for months without ever, anyone being you know, any wiser to it. And I thought I was getting away with it. I thought nobody knew. Um, until a few months before the end of my senior year, uh, when I got a call from the school and um, my parents got the call right before I did, where they were informed that I had missed so much of school that if I didn't start going back, I wouldn't be allowed to graduate and get my diploma with the rest of my class. Um, and so that night I got a call from, from my mother before she got home saying we need to have a serious talk about this. And they had no idea. They had no idea that I was gay. They had no idea that I had been abused or tormented at school, I had kept all of that from them. Um, and that evening, everything just came to the surface and everything came out into the open. And I didn't really have a choice. I wanted to graduate. I wanted to get my diploma. I wanted to be able to put this chapter of my life behind me. Um, so I, I summoned up every last piece of courage I had and I returned to school and I confronted my abusers. Um, and I spoke, I spoke out to my classmates, I spoke out to the school, um, I gave a commencement address about uh, homosexuality and, and the abuse that we face and the, the torment that we suffer. And I was able to salvage the last few months of school and that little bit of gain, that little bit of peace as I was closing off that chapter in my life. But what I came to realize was that after a decade of being abused, of being disrespected, of being mistreated, I began to unconsciously seek out other relationships and situations where I would be treated the same. Because I had come to believe that after so many years of abuse and mistreatment and disrespect, that I was fundamentally unlovable. And I carried this belief with me for another decade until my world imploded. And, and it's the story that I talk about in my book after a decade of marriage to find out that my, my husband at the time had been repeatedly unfaithful and had betrayed me time and time again. Um, my world just imploded and I had to spend the next few years unlearning everything that I had learned and changing those deep seated beliefs um, and doing all of that healing work to begin changing the narrative that I had adopted so many years prior. 
And that process of doing the work, that process of doing the healing and deep inner work led me to the understanding of, of three degrees of loving awareness. And, and I want to share those with you today, because I think they're so important with regards to, you know, how we go out into the world and the, the way we treat people, especially people with, with regards to the LGBTQ community. Um, and I've been teaching about these, these degrees of loving awareness now for years. And uh, most recently, my mentor, Daniel Laporte, helped me refine them and, and add a little bit more eloquence to them. But the, the first degree of loving awareness that I want to talk about is tolerance. And I think we can all relate to tolerance because so many of us have grown up hearing about tolerance and being taught tolerance. But tolerance, what it is, is really the fact that I can put up with our differences. I can tolerate them. As long as they don't impose or threaten my truth, um, I can keep the distance between us. I can tolerate your views. I can tolerate your opinions. I can tolerate your beliefs, your lifestyle, um, as long as we keep a distance between you and me. Because when we adopt tolerance, it's usually because we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to, um, we want to keep the peace. We want to do the right thing as we were taught or be polite. But when we do this, when we live in tolerance, we'll have some fraction of care for each other, but we'll have also a little bit of seething resentment. And that seething resentment from, from tolerance, from focusing on our differences and what separates us, that, that tolerance is deeply rooted in our difference, in our separation. Um, and we are taught to live, we're taught to live our entire lives like this. Um, and that seething resentment, it turns into rage, it turns into violence, it turns into abuse, it turns into so much of what we face with regards to being, you know, members of the LGBT community. And tolerance has its edge, and we, we often teeter on that edge. And it, it lives in our mind, it occupies the same space as the ego, as our fear-based mind. And for many of us, we don't go past tolerance because it's all we're taught. Um, it's all our communities focus on is just tolerating each other. But we can take tolerance and we can go further with it. We can get to the second degree of loving awareness, and that is acceptance. And that's when we, when we soften when we realize that I have some spaciousness within me to be with the discomfort of our differences. And it's, it's for the sake of love. It's for the sake of awareness that we all come from the same source, that underneath it all, we're all made of the same matter. Our acceptance is rooted in our shared humanity. It closes the gap that we have between us. It comes from the awareness that your truth and my truth can coexist, that there's enough room here for all of us. It's, it is soft and it is spacious. Acceptance lives in our heart. When we learn to accept each other, we can then go into the third degree of loving awareness, and that is celebration. And celebration is, I honor your free will. I honor, your, I honor and celebrate your choice for your body, your religion, and who you love. I honor the mystery of your own path. I honor and celebrate your consciousness. I celebrate the divinity that lives within you and how it chooses to manifest itself in the world. We don't have to agree to disagree. We can just agree on love. And that, that celebration, that third degree of loving awareness, it resides in our soul. So I'll leave you with this. You know, we, we look out at the world and we see so many things happening and, and so much hatred and evil directed towards the LGBT community. But the problem isn't that we hate more than we love. 
there isn't the problem isn't that there's more hatred in this world than there is love the problem is that we do not love with the same level of conviction with which we hate we need to rally behind love so that it is a more powerful force than our hatred we need to put more energy and passion into love than we do into hatred so instead of tolerating each other we can lean into acceptance and celebrate each other and the beauty and diversity that is humanity thank you david thank you david uh, thank you for sharing your story and sharing your heart Next speaker is James Taylor Jr., a vocal prodigy and has been singing since two years old, performing since four, writing poems since six, and writing and composing songs since he was 12 years old. His dramatic tenor voice is passionate and soulful, and his writing evokes emotion. James performs as a solo artist, in the pop duo Remington Taylor and has performed in other bands in the past from bars, local events, pride events and private shows, performed throughout Michigan and Ohio from Cadillac to Detroit, Bay City to Grand Rapids, Rapids and from Toledo all the way down to Dayton. I feel like saying, can you just sing at least before you speak? <laughs> the floor is yours. Uh, thank you, Dr. Nasiki. Uh, and thank you, Gigi, for inviting me to speak because speaking is not something I normally do. I normally sing. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so Gigi, when Gigi and I were talking, I was, I was sort of apprehensive about what I would talk about. I felt like, I, again, I'm not a speaker. I didn't know what direction to head. But um, I understand that this event, this conference is about addressing these negative uh, things that are happening in our society. Uh, personally, I, I oh, definitely always felt like I was outside of everybody growing up. Uh, but of course, I'm also an artist. I'm a singer, so that separated me from everyone else as well. Uh, I was definitely bullied constantly. Um, there was uh, a point where I had a bully. We had the same bus stop and just walking home from school every day, he would just beat me, just hit me, punch me, whatever he could do uh, before we could even get down the street, you know, to our own homes. Uh, this happened a lot so frequently that my mother actually was arrested for, there were other issues, but for um, coming onto a bus to speak to a bus driver while holding an armed weapon because his parents were also problems for us as a family. Um, it was intense. <laughs> uh, the problem is this was all before I was you know, 11, 12, uh, I was not thinking about my sexuality at that point. I knew what gay was. I, I knew what homosexual was. I had family members. I, I came from a very loving and accepting home and I'm extremely lucky in that matter. I tell my parents almost daily, every time I speak to them, that I 
have been blessed to have them uh, behind me. Uh, but I am an elder millennial and we had AOL. So <laughs> who doesn't remember dial up? Uh, and I was in a youth chat room. Someone actually asked me once, they said, are you gay, straight or bi? And I said, what? There are options? Uh, I had no idea. I wasn't thinking about uh, about that kind of thing. I was thinking about, even at 12 years old, I was thinking about my poems, my music. I was thinking about hanging out with my friends. I wasn't thinking about where my life would head next. Uh, and I sat down and I said, who, who am I? What, what, what part of my identity is this? And what, what is it? Uh, at the time, I started to come out to my family as bisexual. I, um, and sexuality is a journey, especially when you're not, you're not confident in who you are in that area. Uh, I realized that I have, um, great platonic relationships with women, but that, uh, I am attracted to men. So I eventually started identifying as gay and homosexual. Uh, and that somehow the bisexual thing when I was 13 years old started to get out. I really only told my parents and two, the only two friends that I really cared about. And so the harassment increased, except now they were yelling things like, you're bio. And I went, you're right, we're all bio, because you don't know what that means. But <laughs> because bullies don't necessarily think about words, bio means life. Um, there was a point, at this point I was living in Kentucky. I grew up between Michigan and Kentucky. And I, we had this, this nice little park, all these big rocks and this little spring, and it was called Little Big Springs. So I was sitting at the park, sitting on a rock, sitting. I wasn't singing. I wasn't moving about. I wasn't with anyone. And these three teenagers, I mean, I'm probably 13, they're 15, came up to me and they said, well, that's our rock. You're sitting on our rock. I said, okay. And I got up to leave. They yelled names at me. But as I started walking further away, they started following me. And I remember walking into town thinking, well, I'm going into town. They're not going to keep following me. But they kept following me. And I looked around and I walked towards the police station. And even as I walked right in front of the police station, they were following me. And I, I mean, I was terrified. I know I'm 13 alone. Nothing, you know, I don't know who to turn to. I was walking past the church I was going to at the time. And there were two people who were loading a van for some church thing. And I walked up to them and I said, could you please give me a ride home? Uh, I'm being followed and I don't know what else to do. And they drove me home where I was also alone, but at least I was alone and in my own safe space. 
Um, I'll say this. I have grown up around gangs, drug dealers. I've lived in a couple places where we had drive-by shootings until I was 11 years old. This moment in my life was more terrifying than all of that because I had no safety net. I had no control. I couldn't duck and hide because they were right there. I couldn't, you know, go somewhere else. I, that's what I was doing. They were following me. So, um, yeah, I, it was definitely a, a terrifying moment. Uh, it doesn't, but it didn't stop. I did eventually come out completely when I was 15 or 16. Uh, because I said, I am sick of people assuming something about me that they don't know uh, my entire life, you know, my entire school years. You don't know me. You don't understand me. You don't want to get to know me. And you're making assumptions about who I am uh, that have nothing to do with you. Uh, I just was tired of it. And I said, you know, anytime anybody asked, I was like, yeah, uh, okay, I'm gay. What's what's the point like it, it's you know who cares you're straight i'm gay whatever um and, and it started to earn me some respect from my peers again i'm an elder millennial i'm coming of age in the early 2000s and um i was very lucky to have peers who were accepting um and even adults, when other people in our town who were older were still being shunned for the same thing that I was being accepted for. Uh, but it, it actually, that bully that I spoke about earlier, let's come full circle with that moment because he had moved away. And they had come back when we were in high school. And when I started coming out, he actually came up to me and apologized. And I, I mean, we're teenagers. That's that you usually have to wait till like your 20th high school reunion for that. Uh, he, he had his own issues and he knew that it was no excuse to treat people the way that he treated them. And he knew that my sexuality was no excuse for the way that he treated me. Um, we didn't become besties or anything, but, but we, uh, he, he was very polite to me from that day out. Uh, but there were other, I mean, if I'm in a classroom by myself, someone's coming in to harass me, ask me rude rhetorical questions and just bother me in any way that they can. There was some violence but at one point i started retaliating if i was hit i would hit back and that confuses them <laughs> that confuses a bully who doesn't expect you to have anything to say or do back when you're being uh, attacked um i had pennies thrown at the back of my head every single day at the end of the day in my high school, uh, my senior year of high school, just pet, pet, I don't know how many rolls they would buy, 
what is the point of that? And just pennies upon pennies upon pennies. I actually was walking someone to a bus. I stayed after school most days. So I would come back and just see all the pennies on the ground that were chucked at the back of my head. Uh, I've had, as an adult, what is called the drive-by, I'll say F-word. You all know the F-word that people use uh, as a slur against uh, queer people and, and gay men in particular. Uh, as recently as just a couple months ago, I was in a different city and just someone Uh, I think I was 19 when bad, that's the F word, was spray painted onto my car. And um, despite how one wonderfully supportive my parents are, uh, it's a shock. And my, my dad was furious, but also confused. He didn't know how to react. His main reaction was like, you just have to get that off of your car. Um, so, I mean, we both kind of panicked. He and I have talked about that since then. But, and coming out, <laughs> coming out doesn't end. Let me tell you that. Uh, people automatically assume heterosexuality, but one in five Gen Z adults identify within the LGBTQIA plus community. If your Coca-Cola was 20% Sprite, it's not Coca-Cola anymore. It's at least Coca-Cola with Sprite. It's something else. The, it's not the same. The baseline for how we identify each other, how we talk to each other, how we treat each other is changing. Um, and I, I'm not... As a musician, I've actually taken the time uh, to write an album that is for my queer community, um, but it's also about uh, the community. It's about our history, uh, about the fights that we fought even before Stonewall, which a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, this has been a, a fight, at least in the United States since uh, the 1920s. Uh, there, have been re there has been research on gender and sexual uh, identity as far back as the like, 1870s, 1880s. as a past uh, has been destroyed. It's been straight washed. Um, yeah, I, that's, all, that's really all I have to say. These are just my experiences and I am doing what I can to reach out to my community to, to let them know that they are not alone. We're not done fighting. But we've definitely made a, a good, we've made it to a good place. Um, 
and we could still do better. Uh, it's just, I like to honor where we've come from. I mean, even, even as someone who's part Albanian, I like to recognize, you know, where my, my great grandfather came from and what he did to get to this country. It's the same with queer people. We've done so much to get to where we are. And I hope that we continue to move forward. And with people like Gigi, uh, who are bringing uh, Christianity into the fold of actually loving and expressing care for others, not just as uh, David James says, not just tolerance. Our next step right now is acceptance. Uh, and I think that's beautiful. Thank you, Gigi, and thank you, Dr. Nasiki. And thank you, James. Thank you, James. You still owe us a song. Let's get to the next speaker. Our next speaker is Jimmy Allen. Jimmy Allen is a love and relationship coach. Courageous and ambitious men overcome issues with their confidence, trust, and vulnerability. who is the author of the New York Times bestselling Calling in the One. When he discovered her coaching program, he knew instantaneously that this was what Jimmy was meant to do. Jimmy, take it away and tell us. <laughs> Hi, thank you for having me and giving me a little <laughs> sparkles and energy. Um, it's so interesting, like I had to pull up this quote that I feel like really sums up a lot of what's happening. It's by Neville Goddard, which um, this book called The Power of Awareness, which also was sort of the foundation of the book Calling the One. So this quote says, what you must strive for is being something that what Cameron was saying, what you must strive for is being. In order to do, it is necessary to be. The end of yearning is to be. Your concept of yourself can only be driven out of consciousness by another concept of yourself. By creating an ideal in your mind, you can identify yourself within it until you become one and the same with the ideal, therefore by transforming yourself into it. And so, you know, what really, you know, stands out for me is something that uh, Sparkle, what's, what she's shared with having vitiligo. And then when I developed my own vitiligo, how that really brought up a lot of issues, underlining things that I had about, had about myself as a gay man. Um, that I didn't know that I was being this sort of chameleon within the community, adjusting myself to the straight community, to the gay community, trying to fit in all the concepts of what it is to be gay and neutral and uh, demi my life. And I remember when I started to develop Vitiligo, I remember this one thought of, I'm a monster and nobody's going to ever want me. And this concept of myself of being a monster that literally I started to 
hide and shame myself. Like I remember the, the, the exact same day when I Googled white spots on uh, online, I saw what was possible that I would sort of become. I saw a man on a train, I live in New York City and I just broke down crying. And I was just like, why? Why is this happening to me? Like I'm black, ethnic American, I'm gay. And I was you know, overweight at the time. And now I have this thing, vitiligo that I have no control over. And now I, nobody's gonna ever want me. I'm never gonna get married. I'm never gonna be in a relationship. And it really brought me into this really deep depression. I really held back so much. I deleted every single dating app. I stopped dating for like almost two and a half years, two years. And I really retracted myself because I just thought that I was just unworthy or wasn't uh, lovable or approachable because I literally would be on the train and people, when they saw my hand, they would get up and move to the other side or they would move away from me or they would, you know, just like give me this like weird look. And I was just like, God, like how am I going to be able to maneuver in the world with this thing that I have no control over? How am I going to fight per se? Because it would get me so angry. And I just remembered saying like, I just cannot walk through life being angry and upset by something that I have no control over. And it helped made me look at my concept of myself as a gay man. Like, what are these beliefs that I was holding on to? You know, I had to really look at it. a lot of things I teach my clients. Like, what is your belief that you hold on to? There's this concept of whatever you hold consciously is what you're putting out consciously, putting out into the world. So therefore, you're training everybody in your life to treat you how you're treating yourself. And so, I started to like started to figure things out. Um, like I started to go to this doctor at the hospital to do light therapy to try to, to heal myself on the outside. But what was really going on is that I needed to have a really healing on the inside. And I had to really look at all the concepts, all the ideas that I had agreed to about myself as a man, as a gay man, and my ability, my ability to love and maintain love and to create love in my life. And I remember getting in, I was following this coach at the time, and he sent out this like uh, email of this sort of 30-day self-love journey. And it was this mirror exercise. And the mirror exercise would be you would stand in the mirror every single day. And you would say, you would look yourself in the eyes and you would say one thing that you would love about yourself. And in the beginning, it was very tough um, because I didn't believe it because I, the changes in my face. day 30, I was in a diner and this Hispanic guy who had vitiligo walked in and I remember saying, oh my God, he's, he's handsome. Like this whole thing that, like that was a, a click for me. 
that, oh, my, my concept of myself had shifted, that who I am is also beautiful too. If I work on the thought, how I talk to myself, something that Sparkle was saying, be careful of the words you say to yourself, but then you become the things that you, you don't want. Whatever you say as I am, that's what you become. And so I was like, wow, like I'm shifting my concept of myself and energetically. And I remember the last day in the doctor's office doing light therapy. And I told the nurse, and I said, well, you know, this is going to be my last day. And she's like, oh, you know, what are you going to do? How, how are you going to like, you know, walk through life? How are you going to like, you know, uh, just behave? And I was just like, you know, I just, I guess I just have to love myself and who I am and the way I am and accept how I'm growing and changing because that's all I can. I can't really control that. I only can control my own concept and my belief about myself and my ability to love. And that moment with that nurse really shifted me as a man, as a gay man, and really owning my value and really focusing on what the value that would bring into relationships and my ability. And so I had to really look at, okay, who is the person that I need to become in order to attract the love that I want, to attract the people that I want to have surrounded in my life so I can have healthy relationships? And who do I need to talk to and retrain them how to love me and appreciate me and accept me? Because in those, oh, those dark moments, I realized that I have been training other people in my life to accept how I was dimming my own light within myself. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I need to retrain the people in my life and enroll them into this new idea of what I, who I'm creating in this world. Somebody who's out to impact love, somebody who's out to be a global leader in this world, somebody who's owned themselves and their value. So I can really radiate that out into the world. So really looking at the value that I bring and teaching that to others and changing my own concept of myself in order to influence other people. So that is all I have to share. And Gigi, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you so much, Jimmy, for voicing your heart out. And now we have the next speaker is Mark Stephen Puller. Mark Stephen Puller, self-leadership and transformational expert, a professional speaker, radio host, public speaking coach, PR expert, creative entrepreneur. Mark has overcome the kind of adversity that most people cannot even comprehend. He has taken the resilience from the past trauma and turned that into an inspirational determination to help others. After years of being severely bullied, Mark turned to drug addiction and started down a dark road of self-destruction that nearly ended his life. Mark, we are so grateful that you are here to tell us the story yourself. The mic is yours. 
I would like to share what rock bottom is. Rock bottom is being on your hands and knees, picking up fluff off the carpet, thinking it's a crack cocaine rock that you have dropped. That's rock bottom. I was always the guy at school that got bullied about the way I looked, about my sexuality. Big chin, big ears, gay, queer, bender, you name it, I was called it. It was really hard getting bullied about my sexuality at primary school before I even knew my own sexuality. Saying that, my mum told me a funny story. Six years old, there was a knock at my mum's front door. It was the next door neighbours bringing me home. My mum answers the door. I'm hand in hand with the neighbours and they said, Susan, we thought we'd better bring Mark home. He's been walking the streets. I was wearing my mum's nighty and high heels at the age of six years old. Even at that age, I was different, but I was just being myself. Always be yourself, people, or always be the best version of yourself. My childhood was really hard, low self-esteem, low self-confidence, stress, anxiety, depression. I purposely went to a secondary school that no one from primary school was going to, to get away from the bullying. That was great at first. I didn't get bullied for a couple of weeks. That didn't last long. Only the bullying was a lot worse. I remember walking home one day from school, one of the hard lads of class came and kicked me in my back for no reason. I had to run the two miles home from school. So my education really suffered. I started to play up at school to calm down the bullying, making people laugh, not paying attention to calm down the bullying. So I left school with a really bad education, really bad grades. I would just like to say, never let anyone tell you your value. Never let anyone tell you what you are worth. Know your value. My drug taking started at the age of 15. It started on softer drugs to start with, things like cannabis, amphetamines, ecstasy. And my life went on a downward spiral. By the age of 18, I was addicted to crack cocaine and heroin. I went out on a party night out with friends. I tried a new clubbing drug having the time of my life one minute, dancing away on the dance floor. The next minute I woke up in hospital. I had just collapsed and died. My chest had all been shaven where shot pads had been used on me to bring me back to life. Bruises all up my arms where adrenaline had been pumped into me to bring me back to life. I was living a bad life that was going nowhere. It was from trying to escape my past, 
having low self-esteem, low self-confidence, not having the direction of my future. But I slowly rebuilt my life into a more positive future. So I would just like to share, no matter what you're going through in your past, present circumstances, you can create any future reality that you would like to create. It starts with having positive, empowering belief systems, making better choices, repetition, taking action. And I've got to say, I love what Jimmy has said. I love what David has said purely about self-concept and also about Neville Goddard. I'm a huge fan. I've had to do a lot of self-concept work, affirmations, visualisation. I really believe you can create a better future. So I'd just like to share today, I'm a professional speaker. I'm an international best-selling author. I've built a six-figure PR agency. I am a radio host, web television host. I'm also the founder of mspnewsglobal.com, a global news platform. And I'm not saying this to brag, guys. I have worked really hard to get where I am today. I have been in, in a bad past and I know what it's like. So I'm saying it to show everyone that you can create a better future and your past does not define you. Thank you, everyone. That's my speech today. Amen. I love it. Your past does not define you. Write that down, everyone. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. That takes us uh, from that heartily talk. It takes us to our last speaker. Our last speaker is Matthew Santana Jr., a photographer, author, videographer, marketing consultant, screenwriter, a mentor, and a life coach. Um, Matthew, would you share with us the journey of a life coach? How's everybody doing today? Those were some amazing stories. And as you were telling them, I was visualizing. I felt what you felt when you were going through what you were going through. I felt that emotion, but I just want to say I thank you all for one. But They don't. They let all those negative words and that negative self-talk get to them and then it starts to eat at them. But you chose to believe in yourself. It all starts with you. It all starts with that self-mindset, that self-care. Do not let anyone tell you that you caring about yourself, taking the time for yourself is selfish. I want to encourage people to believe in themselves, be who they are. Take time for yourself. Take time for yourself and believe in yourself and then know that you can do whatever you set your mind to. A little a bit about me. I know about that hurt and that pain where everybody you love, every single day, they're giving you that love. And then all of a sudden, snap of a finger, it stops and they turn their back on you. I know that feeling. I know that hurt and that 
pain of someone, oh, I love you this day, but oh, the next day, oh, I can't love you because of what you're doing or what you're saying. I can't love you anymore. So I know that hurt and that pain where friends and family have turned their back on you because of a decision you made on who you decided to love, who you wanted to be with. I know that hurt. I know that pain. I um, had those thoughts of just saying, okay, well, I'm all alone. I have nobody on my side. I don't know what to do anymore. You know, just thinking of just ending it all and letting it go. But a little voice told me to hold on and believe in myself and know that whatever I want to do in this life, I can do it because it's my life. I chose to take control over my life and not let what everybody else is inputting in me and saying to me, get to me because it's my life to live and I'm going to live it with a smile. So now I know how it is to be whole, to be free and happy with my life. And if, and you know, people come into my life and they don't want to live, you know, give me the props or congratulations or whatever about my life, then I just tell you can do whatever it takes, no matter what, because life is only for a moment. We only get one time, one, one life. You got to give it all you get. And I'm giving this life, everything that I got, no matter what. I do daily affirmations. I can do this. I believe in myself. I will be happy. You know, I'm not struggling. I will be free. I will be whole. Because a lot of people come in and say, oh, you shouldn't do this this way. You shouldn't say that. Okay, that is your opinion. You can take your opinion, give it to somebody else. Because I don't need it. So just me, just supporting everybody. So everybody that comes in my life, I always have an open mind. I always try to see clear. There is a judgment-free zone when you come this way because I know how it feels to be shut out. I know how it feels to be hurt. and my self-care and I know me life is only for a moment and I'm choosing to give this life all that I have to make me happy whole and free so I want you all to just repeat after me I can do whatever I set my mind to I can believe in me I will believe in me I'm not going to let that negative self-talk get to me so just keep repeating these things in the mirror and telling yourself you can, you won't give up because you have a purpose and a destiny in this life. Keep on going and keep on believing. You're not going to keep on um, sitting in that dark place for long because you're going to meet somebody that's going to say, okay, I see what you're going through. Grab my hand and sh let me show you how to get out of this. Let me show you and guide you how you could be happy. You could be whole and free and still be yourself. You don't have to walk around eggshells when you're walking around a certain amount of people. You be yourself. Be free, happy, and whole all day long. Just be you. And you have to just get ready to shift that mindset. That negative self-talk, 
doesn't live in it anymore. You have to tell yourself that in the mirror every day. I'm bold. I'm beautiful. I'm strong. I can do this. I will make it. I tell everybody, once you start hanging around me, I will brainwash you into believing in yourself because I know that you can do it. I know that you are bold. I know that you will get to the place that you need to be, not the place that you want to be, but the place that you need to be in this life because it's only for a moment and we only get one. All those struggles that are going on, it's building you. It's making you stronger. I tell everybody, I thank all the people that's helping me get to where I am now, but I also tell the people that have wronged me, have hurt me. I tell them, thank you, because if it wasn't for them, it wouldn't have made me strong. So I thank them for hurting me. I thank them for lying. I thank them for doing whatever that they did to me because it helped me elevate. It helped me be stronger. It helped me know the people that should be around me that should not be around me. So I live in this moment. I live in my truth and I live to be me and free because I know who I am and I know that I can do it no matter what. And there's nobody that can stop me. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. That was uh, very deep, Matthew. Thank you for the last speaker who really went just on the deep to our consciousness and to understand life. Thank you, I'd love to thank you all our speakers that have come to be bold, to share your journey. And I listened to Angel when she was saying, this is the very first time, you know, sharing your story. And yet you've been out there, shine on, shine on, but there was something that, you know, was inside of you, but thank you for, for this kind opportunity. And I'd like to thank our host, Regeline Gigi Sabat, for the boldness she has taken as a leader. You know, leaders take bold steps and bold decisions and come up front and take the bull by its horns. So this is what she did. And to love Gigi, Thank you so much, my sister. And at this time, I'd like to acknowledge our um, sponsors for the event. Our sponsors are Regni Sinicas, the founder of World Women Conference and Awards, and Women Entrepreneur TV, Change Makers Coach, and a Public Speaker. And Michael D. Butler, CEO of Beyond Publishing, Book Publisher, Global Speaker, and Media Coach. And Daniel Gomez, a keynote speaker, corporate trainer, executive coach, confidence architect, and author. And Melanie Ake, Melanie is the founder of Everyday Leaders. She's a professional coaching and consulting, a certified John Maxwell team, leadership coach, speaker, and trainer. This is a moment um, where uh, I've been just given two minutes to share, two to five minutes to share my thoughts and to share my heart to the world at large. My talk, I will just put the title as Raising the Bar to Love and Live. All of us on earth 
we are created to have a space to live on this earth and have a space to be happy, to be joyous and to be on earth. And I am saying this because of the topic and the reason for this conference that we do not condone violence. As a leader in the church, in the community and in you know, public, international public speaker, I boldly come out and say this, violence is not accepted. It is violating human rights. Everyone has a right to live. It is a strength of emotion of destruction. This natural force when verbally and physically you are attacking someone with the intent to hurt and damage that person. Verbally, people are damaged by speech and life and death is in the power of the tongue. Hence I said verbal abuse is part of violence because it is a killer. Some people kill the soul with the word that they speak over somebody and kill them to an extent that they stay in their, in their shells and even commit suicide. It was started by a word and it caused death. And we do not condone that kind of violence where people, if they disagree with who you are or what others are doing, they then tend to violence. If that is caused by strong disagreement, if you have a strong disagreement position with somebody, I always say it is rather you walk away. Walk away rather than beating, bullying, humiliating and killing somebody. This is the reason I'm saying this. God never condoned death, us killing each other. In the Bible, when Cain killed Abel, the blood speaks. The cry went up to God. And God said to Cain, your brother's cry and your blood is speaking. If your hands are full of blood because you killed somebody because of a disagreement. The blood speaks on earth and the cry goes up to God. For any disagreement, walk away if you can't handle anything. Now it takes me to the next level that we need to be transformational leaders. And I'm going to give the transformational leadership aid as AID, A is accountable, the accountability. We are accountable for each other, for life, not to kill, but accountable to see life going on. Again, if there's disagreement, misunderstanding of where we come from, in finding each other, in supporting each other, let us do it with love, not with gross X of killing, that's barbaric. It's savagely, it's not acceptable. It's uncivilized to kill, to bully, and to beat somebody because you disagree with the person. I is integrity. Integrity is doing the right thing 
let's do the right thing as humanity on the earth. And it brings me to that spirit of Ubuntu. Ubuntu is to care for each other rather than discrediting and killing each other. It's not acceptable to humanity and to God. And the D is deliverables. Our deliverables from our soul, from our spirits, from our beings should be let's deliver love to the world. Let's deliver support to the world. Let's deliver understanding and sitting together and let somebody's life shine and let somebody be protected. When we see someone being bullied, when we see someone being killed and beaten for any reason, and we walk away, the Bible says we are part of agreeing with the wrong acts. Injustice. We are not here to kill each other. We are here to walk the road together and to love and live and to understand each other. Again, I repeat, if we don't understand and agree and find each other, walk away. I rest my case and I'm complete. And I'm going to hand over again to our awesome and wonderful global international speaker, Gigi. Over to you, take it away and close this session for us. Thank you, Dr. Nasiki. And at this time, I wanna say thank you to all of our speakers and our sponsors, and thank you everyone for listening in today. We truly appreciate you. As you all heard from all of the amazing speakers today, each and every one of them have either been beaten, bullied, they've received verbal abuse, they have scars, Violence needs to end. The violence needs to end. And it ends today. And here's the thing. We see folks go through domestic violence and we say we don't condone violence. We see folks go through being bullied and we say we don't condone being folks being bullied. So there shouldn't be any difference here in regards to folks being heterosexual or homosexual. Because here's the thing. God would not want his people, his children beating one another. Violence needs to end. Write that down. Violence needs to end. Hence why we keep saying we do not condone violence. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gigi. With that end note, we remember we are here to love and not to kill. Violence has to end. And we hope our voices are out there and saying we are here, we stand for the goodness of God. And as I close this prayer, I'd like for all of us to honor God in prayer and thank him for this conference. Amen. Close your eyes by your head. Dr. Nitsiki, please end us off with a prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Let's bow our heads and, and pray. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace. We want to thank you for the gift of love want to thank you for that you chose to love us first and you trusted us almighty God with your ministry you trusted us with your love in us that we can be able to love others we are here almighty God to share and spread the love and to those who have been deeply deeply hurt 
those who have been bruised internally in their souls, we want to speak hope, healing, and restoration, Almighty God. I pray, God Almighty, that your words of hope to them will speak into their souls and speak into their beings that they come alive and we wash away the shame with the blood of Jesus, Almighty God. I speak, Almighty God, healing, deep healing, even when they see scars, Almighty God, in their bodies, that these scars may turn to stars and may glorify you, Almighty God. I pray, Jehovah God, that anyone who has been beaten, may they even forget, Almighty God, of all the trauma. They may forget of all the flashbacks, Almighty God. I know, Father, flashbacks can go a long way when someone remembers an incident and a situation they've gone through. They will always understand and be taken back to the scene of accident. We remove everything from the scene of accident from their hearts and souls. And we speak healing. We speak revival. We speak restoration over the souls, almighty God. And we thank you, Jehovah God, that you gave us the boldness to stand up and stand and say, violence ends right here. We all have the right to live. Let's raise the bar to love and live. We are here to glorify God. Let us speak healing. Let us speak this love to the globe and let us love. Father, we pray that almighty God, this message of love and protection and safety for all, that all souls may have health to wealth on this earth and space to live. And we all lead and live with integrity. Let this glorify your name. Let everything be according to your plan for all of us on earth, almighty God. You have good plans for us and plans to prosper us and not plans to harm us and plans that have an expected end. For all of us, Almighty God, I pray that what you created us for and designed in the beginning of the earth, because you said you created us before we we're even on this earth, when we were formed in our parents' wombs, let us be in the mighty name of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, the risen Savior of Nazareth. I thank you, Joy, Jesus. Hallelujah. And may we all say amen. Amen. Thank you all. God bless you and be safe. Thank, Thank you. you.